Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or a real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you successfully sued a corporation only to have the principal claim it had no assets. What did you do? Dennis, we showed after the judgment there was a pattern of the principal taking money out of the corporation for his own personal purposes. And the outcome? After examining and documenting the corporation bank statements, we showed a pattern where the principal was using the corporation as his own personal piggy bank. We were able to show that he personally had a lot of money and should be the real defendant. He thought he could get away with everything by hiding behind the skirts of the corporation, but now he's personally liable. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. This is Barack Lurie, and this is the Barack Lurie Podcast with me, my good friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. All right, we're going to start off today with Donald Trump, uh, particularly a comment that was made to him during one of his speeches where some guy in the audience, uh, possibly a plant, who knows, doesn't really matter, uh, started saying uh, about that, that Obama is a Muslim and what are we going to do about the growth of Muslims in America? And uh, Donald Trump didn't uh, immediately pounce on the guy and beat the crap out of him. <laughs> and therefore... <clears throat> Donald Trump is a bad man. All right. Uh, the, the, the media is basically arguing that he should have stepped in and said, no, that's not an appropriate thing to say about the president and such like that. Okay, there's so many things to say about this. First of all, Donald Trump's response, I believe it was to George Stephanopoulos in one of the interviews, was a good response. And that response was, it's not my job to defend Obama. And it's not my job to defend the, the, the accusation that Hillary Clinton made about Obama, who initiated this first he's a Muslim attack. Okay, that's her problem. And now I have to defend it? Good answer. Very good answer. But it also begs the question, why, why would it be such a, a, a terrible charge to be called a Muslim? Right? If, if Muslims are such wonderful people, and indeed they are, right? And if the vast majority of them love peace and all that good stuff, why, why would you be insulted? That we're not saying that he's a Nazi. We're not saying that he's a secret communist or that he belongs to some sort of cult. No, we're saying he's a, you know, somebody is saying that, that he's a Muslim. And suddenly that's a scurrilous charge. Why? I mean, if, as I said in my Sunday show, if somebody accused me, and I put accused in quotes, if somebody accused me of being a Christian, I'd say, you know, I'm not a Christian, but... But, but thank you. <laughs> I mean, it would be, it would be a compliment. I, I appreciate that you think of me this way because it means you think of me as a loving person, somebody who has good moral values. Oh, by all means. And in fact, we even say to, to our, some of our Christian friends, all right, um, you, know, you know, John over there, he's, he's a, an honorary Jew, right? And he goes, thank you, right? He's not insulted. And I wouldn't be insulted if somebody called me an honorary Christian, and I've gone to churches before. I, you know how, how much I advocate for Christianity, right? And, and the Mormon church and the, uh, the latter, sorry, the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. I mean, all of them, all good. I like them. 
Okay? And, and I wish they wouldn't fight among each other so much, but nevertheless, I like them. Okay, Christians, thumbs up. <laughs> to be insulted. Like, you defend him against that scurrilous charge of being a Muslim. Why? That's, that's, that's the thing I don't get. Now, and, and here's the third part of this. Why would I care if he's a Muslim? You don't care if he's a Muslim. I don't care if he's a Muslim. So what? And it, it doesn't matter. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, are you one of those 43% of Republicans who believes that he's a secret Muslim? And, and I say, I don't care if he's a Muslim. Whether, whether I believe it or not, it doesn't matter. I, it, what, if he believes in his own heart that he's a Muslim, fine. Let him be a Muslim. What, what I care about are his actions. Are his actions consistent with somebody that is trying to protect this country or not? That's all, right? I mean, you and I, whenever we vote for president, we have always voted, as it turns out, good, you know, good until uh, at least this election cycle, because there's no Jew running for president other than Bernie Sanders. Ugh, what an embarrassment. Anyway. That's um, a great point. Yeah, that's yeah. a Jew we're not going to vote for. Yeah, we're not going to vote for him. <laughs> but I mean, getting beyond that, we have always voted for Christians, right? By definition, right? Uh, different kinds of Christians. We didn't even know whether they're Catholic or Protestant or what. We didn't care. So by definition, I don't care what what you believe. I care what you do. Are you faithful to the Constitution? Right? You can be an atheist for all I care. Uh, I want you to be faithful to the Constitution. As long as you take care of my country, secure its borders, and advance the interests of the American public by limiting government and so on like that, you are my guy, okay? And I don't care whether you're a Muslim, whether you're Shiite or Sunni. I don't give a crap. And so, they, you know, they, but they're trying to raise this argument as if it's somehow, somehow an issue. It's just not. Well, it is an issue. You know, I just figured out what it is. I love the it pressure, when Ari contradicts me, you son of a... The pressure on Trump is to act like John McCain. Yeah. Understand? Trump is not being McCain. Right. And that's why he's winning. Yeah, that's true. And so the media is haranguing him for what would John McCain do? That's what you should be doing. Right. Calling him my friend. We're not going to bring up Reverend Wright. Huma Abedin's a nice person. Obama's my friend and wonderful person. Obama's not a Muslim. Right. You know, the guy who's running the John McCain campaign is named Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush the other day came out and assured us Obama's a Christian and an American and, an American, and a yeah. patriot. Yeah. Why would... Why, why does he have to say that? Why does he have to say that? And how the F does he know that? Right? I mean, I don't know if he's... I don't know if he's even a Christian, let alone a Muslim. I don't... I don't have an, He doesn't go to church. Right? I mean, he has all sorts of excuses why he shouldn't go to church because it would be so distracting. Because this particular president is much more distracting than any other president. Is that, is that the reason? I, I, I'm not quite clear on that. And, and this country is far less observant than it used to be. So presumably when Ronald Reagan went to church, when there were a lot more Christians... Uh, At church. <laughs> which I used to call the good old days, Right. At church, that presumably would be more distracting. But no, 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 no. Empty church. I don't want to distract yeah, exactly, them. Exactly. Yeah. The, the, the two people, the, the janitors that are cleaning up in the church. Anyway, you get the idea. So, uh, just it's so. Fr I hate stupid arguments, and this is a stupid argument. I don't know anything about him, and you know what? Jeb Bush doesn't know anything about him. It was stupid for him to say that he's not a Muslim, just as as it would be stupid to say that he's a Christian, or, or anything else, or that he's a patriot. Why? Why, why is he a patriot? 
Well, he, I think I think Jeb Bush was reaching out to that 53% of Republican voters <laughs> who believe Barack Obama is a Christian and a patriot. Yeah. Because there are so many, a majority yes, of Republican yes. voters, who think Obama's a patriot. Yeah, he's pandering to the base, you know. <laughs> right. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I can't work under these conditions. <laughs> I can tell you. It, it, look, <laughs> the point is that we have we, we have this nonsense, this walking in eggshells sort of culture, and and we shouldn't have to be. And and when Jeb Bush does that, it's going to cause him to lose a lot uh, in the polls and maybe even the nomination at the end of the day. Stop being so pansy. About no, it. I actually the yeah. opposite. Jeb Bush, please keep yeah, being a pansy. Because you want that. Yeah, yes, I, I want I, that. I, 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 well, because if he were not that way, then then he would have been somebody that you could you could actually vote for. Yeah. But but your your point is that he's acting so consistent with being Jeb Bush, right? Like the movie being James, <laughs> John Malkovich. So he's he's being Jeb Bush. Okay. So en- enough about him. The the point is that he doesn't know anything about Obama's patriotism, he, and 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 his answer should have been, how the frig would I know? You know, I don't know what his what his heart leads him. To. Whether he's baptized or whether he considers himself a Muslim, ask him. You know, and, and, and whether he's a patriot, I don't know. Let let America decide that. How, why should I prejudge in his favor? Right? I, I don't. I think he's very destructive to the country. That's what I, as Jeb Bush would say. And I'll tell you, if 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 I were somebody who was trying to hurt the country, I would do exactly what Obama's doing. That's what I would say. Yeah, if Jeb said that, I'd be his biggest supporter. Yeah. But, but, and, and, and if you want, you know, American media, you want me to give examples, I'll be happy to. The question, but, but pull up a chair and, and make sure that you've gone to the restroom and, and you've had enough to drink and everything else because we're going to be here for a while. That's what I would say. And, and, and then I would have a long list of all the destructive things he's done, both for, uh, acts of omission and acts of commission. Right? Whether it's not appearing at the Charlie Hebdo demonstrations, whether it's pulling out of Iraq to every single last man, whether it's not enforcing his own red line of Syria, whether it's not standing up to the friggin' Russians, right? whether it's his, his dissing of Israel and yeah. why he's kissing the ass of, of the Saudi king. Yeah, or jumping to the defense of Trayvon and Michael Brown, ignoring the Fort Hood victims, yes, all that stuff. But, you know, I think there's a bigger issue here, and I know, Brock, how much you love big issues, which is this. I do. It seems like the media is making this concerted effort to gum up the works of the Republican, if you will, a thought cloud that's happening right now with this uh, attention on the, the race and the, the different arguments of, of different flavors of conservatism that's going around right. in order to stupefy these these candidates into idiotic distractions. And you, no one ever asks the question, aren't there some questions that you just don't need to answer as a candidate? Because the, the whole thing that Trump got into trouble with, in figure quotes, about this, this question on Friday was because he didn't answer. Right. Uh, yeah, there are some questions that are so stupid they shouldn't answer. And it's interesting that's happening at a very time where there's so much attention focused and there's the the Despite the, the failings of the debate formats that we have been complaining about here and there, at least conservative ideas and thoughts are being discussed actually at length in the public. Yeah. And I think that's what's driving the media crazy. And they're like, well, let's, uh, let's shallow this a bit. Well, they, they want to redirect the attention to the issues. To the, to the, as a client of mine once said very well, he said uh, that the other side wanted us to, to swim in their swimming pool. Yes. Where they're familiar with all the territory and everything else. And no, we'd like to swim in our swimming pool. Thank you very much. And that's the same thing sort of that we're seeing at play here. 
that conservative issues are the conservative issues, and they're getting fairly highbrow, and they're actually bringing up issues that Democrats know that are losing issues. So they want to bring up, you know, they want to distract, they want to say, that they, they want us to be tripped up uh, in every campaign trail speech that Trump might be involved in, or other candidates for that matter. So that, so that Trump's job, you understand, is to constantly defend against this or that crazy person saying this or that crazy statement, whether it's Obama being a Muslim or whether or not uh, we should help any poor whatsoever, whether or not we should show compassion. You know, why didn't you answer that question? Why didn't you say no to that, that, that comment? Why don't you correct everyone back and forth instead of getting, getting his actual words out and about who he is? And that is about, in his case, about making America stronger, right, at the end of the day. And he's talking about the key issues, which is immigration and security. That's what he's about. Now, this leads me to my larger point. It's, it leads me to the point, but it's, it's quite different. Um, and I want to talk about the notion of cynicism. Okay. What do I mean by that? Between the two ideological parties, um, which one is more cynical? Which one is more in-depth as we... And, and, and you know that I think the conservatives are far more in-depth. But I want to give example after example. One of the things that I've noticed when I, when I speak to people who, of the, who have an atheistic belief is that they perceive themselves to be very scientifically minded. <laughs> They're very detail-oriented. But when you actually talk to them and say, how do you explain free will? How do you explain beauty? How do you explain the notion of purpose? How do you explain the odds that we could have life? And so on. I mean, you can go down the list. The, the always, not sometimes, not most of the time, always dismiss you. And they'll say, I know that science will one day find the answers. Okay, so there's not a cynical bone in their body when you think about it, right? They, they just, they have the ultimate faith. And, and we talked before about the party of the ultimate faith, and I think there's something to that here. What we just talked about, Trump and such, reflects all this, doesn't it, Right? They, they don't want you to get into the details. They want to dismiss you. And it's much easier to dismiss you if they can say that you're not responding to whether or not you're a Muslim, uh, you know, question sort of thing. One of my liberal um, attorney friends uh, talked to me earlier today and said, tell me you're not one of those 43% of the Republicans who believes that Obama is a Muslim, right? And, and she wanted that to be the, the issue. She was ready to rock and roll with that because then I'd be the stupid one or whatever it is, right? And I said, much to her surprise and chagrin, who gives a crap? I don't. And I, and I go through the whole lecture that I just gave before, which is, isn't what matters whether or not he's faithful to the Constitution. I don't know what's in his heart. Well, is he a Muslim or not? And I said, how would I know? You have to ask him. And I don't give a crap. All I know is what he does is, is all that matters. I'm consistent to my values. How about you? And I, she left the conversation befuddled and, and having to agree with me. And we need to be more cynical. We are cynical, but the, the, we on the conservative side, generally speaking. And it's not just atheism, because uh, we're very cynical about the idea of atheism. But we're cynical about global warming, right? I mean, and they call us a, a global warming skeptic. Like, which suggests that if you're, if you're not on board with the global warming movement, well, then you're an outsider. But we're not outsiders. About half the population, if not more, thinks that either doesn't believe in global warming or thinks, thinks it's a non-issue and that there are far more important issues. And they're right. 
And but you go through the, you want to bring up a couple of examples, and what do they say? They say the same thing the atheist says. They say, a whole bunch of scientists told me so, that the, the earth is going to you know, be flooded and so on, right? They don't have their own reasoning behind it. That just a whole bunch of scientists said so. And, they, and I said, can you name a few of them? Because I'd like to investigate these scientists and see whether or not they've gotten any grants from the government, for example, or whether they're actually climatologists. Are they dentists? <laughs> they, 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 dentists consider themselves scientists to some extent. Are they astronomers? Are they uh, biologists? All of those are scientists, but they have no, no say in the matter of climatology. How many climatologists have, have come to this conclusion? And so on. Right? This is skepticism. What, what about other things, like uh, just about how the, the economy works? Right? It's, uh, the other day, um, a very nice woman told me, she, you know, I think she was trying to you know, belong and get along with, with the conversation. There were about five of us. And she said, you know, I find myself uh, you know, very receptive to a lot of conservative issues. However, the environment trumps all. And that's very important to me. Therefore, I vote Democrat. And we said, why do you think the environment is a liberal cause? You know, you think that, because she actually betrayed herself, because if you think that, that government is the solution to a problem in one area, you probably think government is the solution to all problems, right? Whether that's public education, whether that's welfare, whether it's unemployment, you know, government's there to the rescue. And same thing with the environment. And we, you know, we said, please tell us the analysis of why the environment is so much better off with a, a government involvement. Because I can, and she's, well, you know, the government needs to make sure there are regulations, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, well, that would be nice if the, America were the only country in the world. But good news, we have um, a, a laboratory of sorts out there in the rest of the world. And I said a point that you had made, Ari, uh, which I always love and I always give you credit for, which is where was the greatest man-made uh, man man disaster? Environmental disaster. Environmental disaster. And I said, but she didn't put on, you know, get the answer right away. I, I told her, well, would you agree that Chernobyl is probably the greatest man-made disaster ever made? Environmental disaster. Environmental disaster. Because, and by accident, of course, they didn't intend to do this. Um, and she said, yeah, that, that's probably a good example. And I said, where did that happen? It's Soviet Russia. That's right. And you ever wonder why it happened in Soviet Russia versus in America? Why don't we have anything close to that? I'll tell you why. Because the, they, they basically formed a, a whole nuclear power plant based upon pictures. You know, it's like doing a Lego set for them. They didn't understand the nuances of it. They didn't understand how one, one part fits with the, with the other. They basically took some pictures and, and, put, and structured it together with some very basic ideas of how a nuclear fission works. And, 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 and there's no accountability. So people are very sloppy in the, in the construction of these sites. And then surprise, surprise, somebody makes a mistake and boom, biggest man-made disaster in history. Okay? That happened in Soviet Russia where the government was fully in charge. Okay, so are, are you with me so far? And, and, and I explained to her, and I kept on saying about other things, and, 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 and where is the one greatest place where there's, the pollution is the least? It's in America. Where's the, where, where, where are you most safe in every other respect? America. From an environmental point of view, it's an amazing thing that we have here. So 
why would you think that these socialist countries would, would do better than us in that? We, we know better. So you know, I explained to her how the, 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 the capitalist motive is to, to make things cheaper and faster and more efficient. And more efficiency means better burning. And I explained how Los Angeles alone uh, was saved by, by pure capitalism. Had nothing to do with OSHA or the regulations out there, nothing. It just had to do with good old-fashioned competition. We got cars that are far more efficient now. Anyway, so I, I get that, I, that. That's the cynicism I'm saying. And, and they have none. They think that they're so sophisticated. But in reality, they don't ask any questions. I don't think there's any area that you could throw at me where they ask any questions, whether it's social, economic, or uh, foreign, uh, foreign policy. I don't think there's a single place. They, pulling out of Iraq, for example, they, they never once asked the question, what might happen if we pull out of Iraq? There's not one cynic among them. Did, did anyone tell the Obama administration, you know, Mr. President, that's all nice that you want to end this war, but we, we need to think about what would happen if we do pull out every man. With respect, sir. And I think that they gave him the, the same dismissive look that my atheist friends give me when I, when I want to challenge them a little bit about God. And I, I think that's, it's a completely consistent theme. Yeah, and, and back to the environment, asking what happens next. It would be a wonderful thought experiment to do with them, to say, well, what happens to this precious environment of yours in your upscale west side community of Los Angeles when we go from burning coal or oil or nuclear fission or fusion for electricity needs or solar or wind or water, which all require different amounts of energy to even manufacture the equipment to all this all burning dung to stay warm. Right. Right. How, how good is <laughs> Calcutta's environment? Yeah, so true. Right? It's, 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 and, and it was so much dirtier in the air and water uh, 200 years ago. It, uh, presumably it, when there was no industrial revolution to speak of and, and, and it was just filthy. Pe- it, people, people couldn't even drink water. They had to drink so much alcohol because alcohol, at least, killed any uh, of the dirt that was in the water. It was them through their system. Yeah. It allowed them to eat spoiled meat and still survive. I was going to mention the Middle Ages. Yeah. How clean was the water in the Middle Ages? Yeah. It was filthy. Right. And there wasn't an SUV in sight. Right. Well, they'll say, in response, in, in fairness to them, uh, they'll say, look, yes, we have, but we had to develop technology that allows us now to burn cleaner and such, and solar energy is so uh, helpful, and the wind power and such. We need to explore these things in order to really maximize the efficiencies that we can get out of this. Yeah, it's, it's great so far, but it's not good enough, Ari and Barak. It's just not good enough. And we need to mandate these things in order to make it just the, all the more cleaner. To which we say... Uh, well, but, but it was the competition that we just talked about that made everything cleaner in the first place. Why wouldn't it be exactly the same answer going forward? When has government regulation ever made things cleaner? Yeah, and, and to be clear to our liberal friends out there, we neither of us are anti-solar, anti-wind, anti-anything. We're against the, air, the, the noise pollution windmills create and site pollution <laughs> right. create, for instance. But I have no problem with solar power, as long as it doesn't do what that solar power plant in Nevada does, which is scorch birds. Right. Okay? It's, a, it's a big problem. If you want to put yeah. some solar panels on your house to reduce your electric bill, and over time, as innovation happens, they become more and more efficient, and if over time what I expect to happen, which is the innovation of room temperature operational superconducting, tr- transmitting 
elements to get electricity from one place to another. So solar energy collection distribution actually works. I'm all for it. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. Cheaper, better, cleaner. Excellent. We're all for it. We're all but, for the most efficient thing. Yeah. And presumably, business would be all excited about this. Oh, those green businesses? Of course. Not that green businesses. No, Any greedy. Business. Oh, greedy. Yeah. Those greedy businesses that just want to save money, of course. Yes, yes. Exactly right. I mean, it, it, this is the thing that, that I can't wrap my mind around. And I guess, I mean, I, I know the answer to it. But, but, but liberals don't seem to be able to wrap their minds around this. You know, one of the reasons why I became a conservative is during the whole stem cell research issue. And a good friend of mine said, because I asked him about that, you know, what about the stem cell business? And he said, look, presumably, if there was any promise in stem cell research, you would expect the pharmaceutical companies to be pouring billions of dollars into it. Because they certainly do billions of dollars into all sorts of other things that they end up discarding. Why not stem cell research? I'll tell you why. Because it shows no promise at all. And just because the government says we need to invest more money in this, well, that doesn't make it so. It doesn't mean that it's more promising in any way. No, don't worry. Business has already evaluated this deeply, and they discovered it's got bupkis to it, and it still has bupkis. And they instead found business by business that adults, adult stem cells work far better, and that is what's working. So the same thing is true with solar power. If, if they felt that there was true promise in solar energy, you betcha. They would go go forward. But what, what the liberal wants is the government to tell business what to do and because it sounds nice and to invest in solar energy and wind power and everything else. Well, but we already have a mechanism for all this, my friends. We, it's, it's called the free market. And the free market, it, it doesn't just go with the times. It, it invests. It's the very reason why we have such great improvements. I mean, if, if it were only a short-term thing, as, as you, the liberal, may think of it, then no one would have invested in the pipeline, the oil pipeline, right? I mean, that's, why not just sell, you know, jugs of oil, you know, five bucks a pop, or whatever it might be cost, right? And, and just get the immediate money that you could and sell it for the maximum price. No. Rockefeller uh, saw this whole, had this whole vision for the oil pipeline, and it, it was a massively expensive project, and it paid off many, many years later. That's, that's the way biz, big business thinks. And thank God big business thinks that way. We want big business to think just like that. Yeah, it's not like uh, the government went over to Apple and said, we demand, we mandate you that you come out with an iPad. We yeah. mandate that you come out with an iPhone and an iPod. Yeah, and guess who's using the iPads and the iPod? The government, right, when, when they can. And then, of course, then they, then they fail to put it in a proper government-regulated security server. But that's another story. I, I, you know, and, and just going back to the solar panels, they, if, if they really felt that there was something to it, they would invest in it. They would have huge investment. I mean, we, we, I mean, just airlines alone. I mean, think about the investment that they put into their airlines, right? It's not as if they, this is a fly-by-night, so to speak, operation to, to have an airline. You don't say, I want to do airlines and I think it'll be fun. Let's get in and get out and see if it's profitable for me. No, it's a huge investment. With all the liabilities and the unions and the regulations, and you have to make agreements with airports and everything else. Are you kidding? But they do it because they see the, the future. They see prospect. And every major company has a good research and development fun, arm of it, right? Whether it's Apple, whether it's ExxonMobil, uh, whether it's, you know... Uh, Federal Express. Federal Express. Coca-Cola. Or, uh, any of them. Delta Airlines. You name it. They have 
long-range vision planning. And anyone who wants to make something of it can go in and, and take and exploit the solar energy. And it just turns out, good for today and probably for the next few decades, there'll be no serious exploitation of the sun, not in the way they want to. Right now, uh, it, it's just not efficient. You can probably run a couple of watches, uh, maybe your, your laptop computer if you're lucky. You know, if you run the solar pa panels all day long, and then you might be able to charge up your, your laptop by 50%. But that ain't, that ain't efficient, okay? There's nothing like um, fossil fuels as it is right now. I know you don't like to hear it, my liberal friend, but those are the realities. Those, those are the facts on the ground, and, and it won't be anything different for decades to come. Yeah, or nuclear. Nuclear is actually yeah, the best of them Good point. But they, but they don't want that because... Yeah, but it's as opposed to a fossil fuel. Right. Well, they, they don't want that because they, you're executor as opposed to that. But nuclear, well, then the, the risk is too far, far too dangerous, never mind that there's never been anything of any consequence other than Three Mile Island, which was really nothing. Well, Chernobyl. See, see, that's the that's great the, thing. Yeah, we, we get blamed for that. Right. right. Yeah. Chernobyl true. might happen, but that was an accident of communism. I don't care. It happened. <laughs> exactly. We need to be more cynical, my friends. And, uh, and when I say my friends, I really mean to our liberal friends. When you talk to a liberal... And they try to advance a position, and it literally it means anything, by the way, including abortion, for that matter. They just don't think it through. And, and, and even I was a little bit upset with myself for not having thought about what happens to the aborted fetuses, babies, as we like to call them, but fetuses, as the liberal likes to call them. What happens? Is there some sort of special truck? You know, like there's a special garbage truck that, that picks up your plastics, Right. Or your diapers. Or your diapers, right? Or, or your tree uh, trimmings, right? Okay. Is there, is there a special bin for the baby uh, baby parts? I, I don't get it. What? Nobody ever thought, nobody thinks about these things. Yeah, apparently and, and it was. It was the one that was harvesting all those T cells to yeah. uh, do that uh, mandated research on. Right, but nobody, and no one thinks about the consequences of the regulations. You know, if you, what is, a, a, you know, what, what is life of the mother, right? When, how can that be abused? You know, all the, all the, the nonsensical arguments that they, that they say. And, and at some point, you've got to say, after a little bit of cynicism, you know what? I, the, the whole abortion industry disgusts me. That's what you, you end up having to say, and you should say it. Okay? Both from a, yes, from a religious and a moral point of view, absolutely, yes. But even from a logical point of view, from a I'm disgusted with this point of view. That's all. You should be against it just by being slightly cynical. But if you're a liberal, you're not there yet. You need to grow up. You need to think. You need to ask questions and not just simply dismiss like the atheist will dismiss you. My friends, this is Barack Lurie. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Why can't they say what they want? Why can't they just say what they Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you recently handled a case where one brother was suing his two brothers, your clients. What happened? Well, Dennis, the two brothers struggled but succeeded to build three restaurants. But when the third brother returned from being out of the country for 20 years, he sued to get one-third of their business. He claimed an oral deal between them because he had once worked as a cook for them. So what did you do? Well, during trial, we got him to acknowledge certain key dates and to his complete lack of documentation. So when his side rested, we asked the court for what's called a directed verdict, 
a motion that gets rid of a case after fatal facts come out during trial. And the court agreed, shooting down all but one of the brothers' causes of action. And we settled that one for a very small amount and excused the jury. And justice was done. My friends, you know that I trust Barack Lurie with my own business and other legalities. So to make sure a deal is done right, call him for your own legal issues at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie & Park, 866-575-8111. This is Barack Lurie, and we're uh, back from our break. I want to talk a little bit about the recent papal visit. Uh, the Pope, Pope Francis, has come to America, as it turns, for the, it turns out for the first time. I don't know if you know this. Uh, his English is pretty poor, um, and, and you could, a lot of his reading at the, uh, the, the House of Representatives, uh, you can see he's very stilted, and um, he's, he's obviously just reading directly. And that doesn't make him a bad man or a stupid man or anything else. It just means that he doesn't know English very well. Uh, so it, it's a little bit hard to understand what he, he what he's saying. Uh, and he's coming to America for the first time in his entire life. Okay. And it's, it, there are a lot of firsts here. It's first also for us to have a pope visit in in Congress, right? It's it's really that is a historic moment. Great. Huh. There's so many things to say here. First, um, the fact that the liberals among us, you know, are so a, a Twitter about this uh, pope visiting, and they like this pope. You understand, right? Because he he espouses to what they believe to be very liberal causes, global warming, um, you know, abortion. Not so great, but uh, you know, not not so bad either. Um, embracing more of the um, homosexual lifestyle and and things like this. Okay, so. Things that are a little bit more classic, and also, of course, is anti-capitalist rants. So, he shows up, and and speaks, but no one's talking about the separation of church and state. Have you noticed that? Isn't that funny how that yeah. just disappeared? It just totally disappeared. If he were to be more like um, John Paul II, then uh, was, <laughs> right? Can you right. imagine what they would do? They would say, "This is this is no business. This is. I mean, it's great if he wants to be the leader of the Catholic Church, but they are definitely blending in uh, their crazy religious views and imposing it on uh, the, the politics, the body politic. That, that, that ain't appropriate," they would say. And I must say that they're right. I, I disagree with them entirely, but I just want to show you that the total hypocrisy that is obviously going on. So religious speech is fantastic so long as it's liberal religious speak. And, uh, you know, they, they, they say that this is what Jesus would do. If, if, if some uh, church or a teacher, for that matter, would go around in public schools saying, you know, Jesus would want you to fight global warming. Jesus would want you to recycle, right? Jesus would love homosexual marriage. Jesus would this, would that. All you know, they would be all fantastic for her. They would say this Prayer is great. Prayer would be in public schools faster than you could say lickety yeah. splat. There you go. Right. Right. It, let's it, say a prayer it's very to fight global warming. Oh, let's pray. That's right. This is a a, a religious cause. So it's just it's fascinating, right? <laughs> okay. Um, so 
that, let, let's put that aside for the time being. What, what is interesting about his, his comments of late, let's kind of talk about all the kind of various things that the Pope has done and said in the past, say, I don't know, three months or so. Among them are the following, and I'm sure uh, Ari, you'll remember a couple more, but let me go through the list that I remember. First of all, that capitalism is a bad thing. In so many words, he said uh, uh, that, that capitalism is unbridled and, and crazy and terrible things can happen as a result. Never mind that there's no such thing in, in, in any country in the world that it's unbridled capitalism. So he's only talking about some sort of hypothetical scenario, consumerism and such. Pittsburgh for the year 1870 is what he well, thinks he's talking about. It, perhaps, but even then it wasn't the, the same thing. But, you know, the black smoke clouds from the coal oh, yeah. for the blast furnaces for the steel industry, you know. But, but even then there were, there were different kinds of regulations going on. There was only so much you could do. There was a lot of freedom to do what you wanted to do, but you still had, um, it, it wasn't survival of the fittest. It, it wasn't anything like that. That's the way people envision these things. So that's one thing. Then, then he talks about uh, embracing uh, more of the homosexual community into, into the Catholic Church and otherwise, and, and even talking somewhat about homosexual marriage. Now, he's against homosexual marriage. Uh, you know, I'll give him that. But there's this kind of notion of, like, on the one hand, I'm against it, but on the other hand, I really understand it, and I want you to, to feel really part of the, the equation. Well, you know, he's really kind of speaking out of both sides of his mouth. Then, then he visits Cuba, of course, right? Now, wh- how he does this and not think that this does not lend uh, a, a credence to uh, Castro's regime, that, that it doesn't legitimize Castro's re- regime, is beyond me. Uh, it needs to be ostracized. It needs to be completely separated from the rest of the world and, uh, and, and demonized as it should be. But he's not doing that. That's another story. Um, then, of course, he's for global warming, uh, to fight the, the, the horrors of global warming. <sighs> um, and then uh, I want to talk, before I, I talk about the things that he's not talking about uh, in, in this speech at, at the UN or, for that matter, in Congress, uh, do, do you know of any other things that he's spoken about that are a little bit bizarre? I don't remember exactly what he says, but well, I no, I remember. We talk about the capitalism thing. Hold on, hold on. This is yeah. an important thing he says. He said, "Thank you. I love it." When Evo Morales yes. gave him a hammer and sickle with Jesus being crucified upon it. Yes, I remember that. Oh. So the words "thank you, I love it." I'll make sure to put it somewhere special when I get back home. That was probably the most bizarro thing yeah. of all. Yeah, that was that was that was bizarre symbolism going. Yeah, down. and and you know you opened up by talking about his poor grasp of English, and uh, that allows a certain amount of interpretation or misinterpretation as to what he says. So it always led me to think that perhaps the far leftist thing that our political opponents were saying he said were maybe just misinterpreted because of broken English or. You know, maybe it wasn't that bad. But when he did the action, you know, action speak louder than words, of accepting gleefully that crucifix, and I know he put it somewhere special when he got back home, that tells me we're uh, dealing with a pretty far-left guy, no matter what he says here. Well, there was another thing that he said that also suggests a far-left approach, which is that the crisis in the Middle East with ISIS and so forth, and the Syrian refugee crisis in particular, is the product of our... Uh, praying, praying to the god of money, 
right? That was his expression. Ah, and now I remember also, he's for the Iranian deal and also wants Israel to drop all of its nukes as well. And he's for a Palestinian state. And um, he embraces the Palestinian leadership too. Yeah, and this week he was referring, yes, to a tragedy that occurred in, in Mecca, but he opened the prayer wearing green vestments. Green. Right. There's That's a Palestinian nothing, colors, nothing yeah. is done by accident here. And he says about our brothers in Mecca, I am one with you. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and we're kind of getting to a major point here. It's not just to complain about the Pope uh, or expressing, express our concern about the Pope. And I, and I get it. We've gotten uh, a lot of nice emails from a lot of our Catholic listeners uh, who explain in great detail about there's a difference between what is morally absolute um, and that is uh, when when the Catholic Church will um, render it. What, what's the edict that they say? A bull or something. A, a it's yeah. an official declaration. It's an official a, declaration. Official something of the official canon. Right. Uh, as a, as opposed to uh, an opinion of the Pope himself, which is you know not uh, not infallible. It's, it's fallible. It can, he can be wrong. And so this is what we're talking about, generally speaking, right? Because we're not talking about church canon. We're talking about something very different. Yeah, there's a distinction between the Bishop of Rome speaking versus the man who is the in the office of the Bishop of right. Rome. That's how they come. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to get to an interesting place here. Um, but I wanted to talk about what he's not talking about because he just delivered a major speech at the United States Congress, right? So now understand this, right, and, and the United Nations for this matter. He's going in there. It's not as if he's winging it, right? I mean, we, we uh, practice about the topics that we're going to discuss, uh, Ari, you and I, before we go on this podcast. It's a little bit informal, but nevertheless, we discuss the basic outline of what we want to proceed with. On my Sunday show, I'm a little bit even more prepared because I'm all alone and I have to you know, wrap up the... All the news in one hour and such. And you can't hit pause and redo any of it hey, yeah, because it's live. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I have to take phone calls and be prepared. And likewise, when he goes, the Pope goes to, uh, to the Congress, of course, it's a much more significant event than, than my little podcast, my little Sunday show. How dare you? Yeah. So, well, I'm sorry. We, we, we are, of course, ramping up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we hope to have a papal-sized audience shortly. Um, okay. So... He, he goes in there and he knows that not only are they, of course, the, all the Congress hearing him, but also the United, the United States and, for that matter, the whole world is watching what he says because he knows that he brings the, the burden and the power of the papacy with him. So what he says, you know, it's like Eve Hutton. When he speaks, people listen. So he, he's preparing, right? And he says, okay, I want to send out a message. And he, he carefully plans out his words. So... I heard the speech, and a lot of it was about uh, observing the sanctity of life. Okay, that's great, but you can hear it whichever way you want to, right? It's like when, when one of those kids' books which you could turn the book a little bit on the cover and you see different pictures, right? Or the picture of the drawing of the, the young woman, and you turn it upside down and you see an old woman, right? It depends on how you look at it. So what does the sanctity of life mean? Well, you know, from a conservative point of view, he's saying to us that he is uh, upset and distraught about abortion. Okay, well, from a liberal point of view, they say, ah, but he also means that he's against the death penalty, okay, which is typically a, a liberal cause. Um, and he doesn't speak about the, hor the horrors of what's happening in the Planned Parenthood thing. And that's a worldwide issue. People know about this that the, the abortion horrors are truly that. They are horrors. 
So not speaking about that, that concerns me. Here's also something that he's not speaking about. The slaughter of Christians in the Middle East. Okay, you, you would think that as a Christian himself, and I understand some people make a division between Catholics and Christians, but for purposes of decrying the horrors of what's going on, you know, you're all in the same boat. Uh, Catholic and Christians are one of the same. And no doubt, um, he should be speaking out against the, the horrors that are going on in Christianity in, in, uh, in, in the Middle East. And he's not saying a peep about it, right? He, at, at best, he says that he's against fundamentalism. But, but what does that to mean? He says fundamentalism of all kinds at the end of the day. Um, and that, that is a big problem. Um, if he doesn't speak about that, well, then, then what's, his, what's his role? Now, mind you, he did speak very significantly about uh, the Muslims who are suffering, right? He spoke against the Gaza war. Remember that? He spoke about, uh, you know, any time that Muslims are suffering in any way, he will speak out about it. He spoke out about the Syrian refugees, as you know. But he didn't speak about the Christian refugees or the, the genocide that's going on uh, among the Christians. Or the cops in Egypt when the cops in, Arab the, Spring happened. Or the Yazidis, right? Yes. So all these things he's not talking about. And what you don't talk about is sometimes as powerful as what you do talk about. So... Uh, he, he doesn't focus on this, and I'd, I'd like him to focus on it. Now, the question is, why? I mean, obviously, it was very deliberate. Um, he, he, he's, he's no dummy. Um, he is the leader of uh, the, the Catholic Church. I don't think that the cardinals elect a pope that they consider to be intellectually inferior. They, they elect somebody that they feel uh, has uh, prowess in, in, in the intellectual capacity. And I also remember when they choose one to be pope from the conclave of cardinals, they're choosing a member of this high level of cardinal. These yeah. people got there for a reason. Of course. You, know, no, there's, you, don't, uh, you don't just kind of slip into the, the papacy. It's, uh, you know, for example, just, I don't know, to, to bring a crazy example, um, let's say, be, you know, be a community organizer one day, uh, you know, find yourself a, a state senator and then slip into this, you know, state, uh, to the U.S. Senate and, and then become president. I mean, that would be absurd. I'm giving an absurd example, but uh, that certainly wouldn't happen. It might happen here in this country. Well, you have something here called a media, which can make it happen. Right. In the conclave of cardinals, they don't care what you put on CNN. Right. There you go. All right, so let's get back. So the question is, why is this happening? And there really are only two major explanations, as I see it. One is that the Pope wants to be loved, okay? That's, that's a, certainly a, a possibility. He wants the world to maybe love him or to make it a little less selfish to love the Catholic Church. To, this is his vision of what it takes to open up the Church to those that are otherwise feeling alienated from the Church or, or feel it's too conservative or too out of reach. Okay, so that's, that's one angle. Another angle is a refusal to understand evil. Because almost everything I talked about just now, you can, you can put together and you can understand as a failure to recognize evil. So let me go through the list. He goes to Castro. We understand that, that he's a, he doesn't understand that he's a horrible evil man who was in prison and did terrible things. He wouldn't even see the dissidents uh, that uh, wanted to see him. 
Okay? Now, he's not required to see the dissidents. He may not have been even invited to, to, uh, to go to Castro if he insisted on seeing the dissidents. I get that. But nevertheless, the, the way he talks about Castro, um, it legitimizes the evil regime that it is. Next, the notion of uh, the Iranian deal being a good deal somehow. Again, uh, fails to recognize the evil of Iran. And uh, it's much easier to embrace it, the Iranian deal than to say there's something wrong with this and that you should impose sanctions. That's a big problem. Next, to side with the, um, the Palestinians um, and Gaza and to insist that Israel um, drop all of its nuclear weaponry also, again, fails to recognize the nature of evil. The Planned Parenthood, uh, the failure to recognize the Planned Parenthood evil, uh, and simply to say that life is precious in every respect uh, under all circumstances, that also fails to recognize evil. <laughs> you like this, right? No, I don't. It's like, I, I, it was one of the, I, I, intellectually, I know all these, yeah. right? And they, yeah, they yeah. jog in the memory. I, but sort of emotionally or, or empathetically, well, I'm saying it's, you, you, you it's hard to I'm believe yeah. at an emotional level that this guy who's the leader of the, one of the moral centers of the world would swing and miss so often. Hey. Whiff, whiff, <laughs> whiff. <laughs> That's exactly what's happening. And it's, it's very frustrating because it's so consistent. It's not like Obama in a way, because Obama has his own agenda, and we've talked about this at length. Um, but But... The Pope's consistency is his failure to separate good and evil. He, he, I think he understands it from an intellectual point of view, but he doesn't realize himself that he's actually engaging in, in a mixture of good and evil. Yeah, and I think we once, one of us said, probably me, on a, you know, a, a past podcast episode, he's in the recognized evil business. Yeah. It's not some random guy whose job is to clean toilets and, oh, he's not recognizing evil. Right. That's his job. Right. That's, That's the, the central part of his job. Right. right. That's a, it's a very good point. Just like, uh, you know, I may be interested in uh, stereos and music and such like that, and I, you know, I have a hobby of collecting music and listening to music, but that's not what I do, right? I mean, it's... But, but that's not even a good example. I should... You know, I should uh, fight evil, um, you know, in my life. Uh, but I'm a lawyer, and you can say I'm fighting evil to some extent. But no, it's it's more. This is civil law in terms of, you know, some people owe some other people money. The fact that somebody else owes money doesn't make them evil, right? Well, I think the occasionally I'll meet somebody who's evil, who's fraudulent, and such like that. But it's not the essence of my job. My, the essence of my job is to represent somebody's interests in a, in a legal system, and to 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 give him the best representation and hopefully the best result. That's my job, okay? But as you said so well, he, he, the Pope, his very essence is to recognize and fight evil. That is, that is, is his job. And he's, sadly, I, I think by taking these various positions, failing in his job. Now, this is not to say that he's not a nice guy. This is not to say that he's not a bright guy. Um, people seem to like him a, a lot, but, you know, and it certainly is changing the dynamic of the Catholic Church. But I wonder uh, at, at what point, if you cannot actually fight for your own community, then who's going to fight for you? If you, the Pope, can't call out evil for what it is, then what's going to happen in the future? I mean, you're, aren't, you, aren't you saying, 
by, by saying, for example, that, that there are fundamentalists of all kind and you decry all fundamentalists and you don't even say, you don't even, you know, make a point of light to, uh, to Islam because that's where the center of all fundamentalism is today. Yes, you can find one guy who decides he wants to blow up an abortion clinic as if that's happening a lot, right? Um, but that's, that's nothing compared to what we're seeing routinely with the rape and the murders and the beheadings and the enslavements that we're seeing and, and, and the, the child, uh, the, the terrible things that they do to children and the polygamy and the incest and the, everything that you can think of that is horrific is happening in the Islamic fundamentalist world. Okay, that's, that's where it's going on. And to not call it out by name and to simply say something like, we are concerned about radicalism within the Islamic world. Right? I mean, that would be perfectly fine, right? It's not saying that all Muslims are radicals because that's so important to the left. So just say we're, we're concerned about radicalism and about we must fight this, you must change your ways. How about that, right? And those of you who are not the radicals, who are the moderates, you need to, to, to step in and stop this and, and speak your mind about this. It's just the basic AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, take argument. responsibility. When you're ready, we're there to help you. Right. We can't help you until you're ready to seek help for yourself. Right. But when you are, we're there. That, that would be the minimal <laughs> right. kind of oh, level you could go to. That's right. That's all you have to do. And it needs to be a voice of passion for good, right? But when you say that you're against fundamentalism, the Christians, you, you, you falsely create the, the light. It's called false, false light in law, by the way. You, you give a false impression, right? You could say there's evil in Christianity. That's true. And you can say there's evil in, in, in Islam. That's true, too. And, and Islam, there's evil in Judaism. But it would be a false impression, wouldn't it? If it because if you said it, those three sentences together, it would suggest that all three major religions are guilty of major mayhem and fundamentalism and so on. And it just ain't so. And you have a pizza that you just sliced into three equal portions, and each portion is go. equal to the others and yeah. of equal concern. Now think right. about it from the, the standpoint of, of a radical Muslim listening to a speech like that. Okay, And the speech being... Uh, there's radicalism everywhere, there's fundamentalism everywhere, and I decry it everywhere where it might be. So you, the Muslim, the Muslim radical at least, is saying, hey, I'll do more. Yes. Right? We have to fight those other because, two ideologies. Extremism yeah. might be more extreme. Well, that too, but, but also seeing it, knowing that you're not being called out yes. on it, right? You're not being chastised for your specific Muslim extremism. So, yeah. You, you decide that it's not really, a, a, you know, what you're doing might be actually right. And what is extremism anyway? I'm not an extremist. And, uh, you know, they don't, you know, when they get up in the morning, they don't see themselves as extremists, right? They, they, they behead people and such like that. Like, yeah, I'm, wow, look at me. I'm sure I'm a radical. I am crazy. Look at me. No, they think that they're doing literally Allah's work and bidding. And uh, they, they are doing the right thing, and that we're the crazies, that we're the ones that, uh, with all our hedonism and yoga pants, and yes, there's that phrase again that you are so afraid that I might bring up, uh, and, and our hedonism in every, in every other respect, right? Um, and that we, that we ch you know, cherish the god of money and so on. They think we're the crazies, we're the extremists, we're the radicals. So there's a lot in the Pope's speech to, uh, to give uh, great joy to the radical Muslims, too. Because it doesn't call them out on the one hand and makes them think that maybe 
everyone in the West is an extremist, too. Which gives them license and reason to do what they do. Right. And so we see the blending of good and evil all over again. It's, it's one of the most destructive things that you can expect. And that's why God separates, right? God's, you know, in, in the Torah, the Bible, one of the things that you notice right away is that God gets busy separating things, right? He separates day from night, right? He separates the, the land from the sea, the sky, right? He separates the animals. The from earth people. from the heavens, the animals from the, the plants, the people right. from the animals, man from woman, children from parents, right. the different languages at Babel, right. the good and the bad in but, Noah. But you, get this, you get this image almost of like, you know, God is, is you know, like my, my children where they have this bunch of Legos, right? And, and now they're separating it. There's the Star Wars set. <laughs> there's the animal set. There's the Guardians of the Galaxy set, right? There's, you know, and all sorts of sets. The Knights and Castles and Dungeons and right. Dragons set. The, the Hobbit yeah. set, yeah. And then there's, you know, the, the Harry Potter set. You separate them. And you, you, you literally, you can hear the clinking of the Legos kind of moving aside. One, you know, oh, that, that doesn't belong in this set. I'm going to, I want to make the, the Hobbit again. And that's the way it is with God, separating, separating, separating. And it's, it's you know, much more clean, of course. But that's, that's what God did. Right, and that's what God wants us to continue doing. And He says, uh, "To be good, you must hate evil." Right? He wants us to recognize and to fight evil. It's our job. And if you don't do it, well, then you're not so good, are you? Because, as they famously said, uh, all that it takes for evil to thrive is for good people to do nothing. Right? And 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 here, the Pope is not even doing nothing. He's actually mixing up. Everything, and and I know that he means well. I think he he means well from the bottom of his heart, but not realizing, as they say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I'm not saying the Pope is going to hell. I'm saying that the the, lo, the road to this disaster, if you will, is paved with good intentions, because in his effort to make the Catholic Church more accessible, more approachable, more likable, what does he do? He ends up making it more fragile because he embraces more and more evil into the process by, by equating Islamic fundamentalism with Christian fundamentalism as if there's such a thing. And the same way Obama is making it harder for future presidents to right the ship of America because anyone who wants to be contradictory to that will always be able to cite Obama from now to the rest of time. Yes. Future... Uh, scholars, future arguers with future popes who are more like Pope John Paul II will say, wait a minute, Pope Francis said, that's right. Pope Francis did. Yeah, that's right. How he, dare you be so extreme and separate things? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a precedent, right? Just yes. like the Supreme Court, when it makes its decision, let's say, on gay marriage or Obamacare or, or anything else that's out there, you know, it, 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 it provides fodder for the next similar argument later on. And that's why we talk about polygamy and incest as possibilities in the future, too. And, and by the way, we talked about fighting evil, right? Those two things will become much more in the forefront in the very near future. Within 10 years, you're going to start seeing a lot of polygamy cases and a lot of incest cases, mostly polygamy for the time being. And the reason why? It's not because it's so absurd or it's so... Uh, it, sorry, the reason why it will advance, it, it's, it's because people won't care enough to fight it. 
That's the reason why. So when your friends say, oh, come on, you're being absurd, you might be being absurd. But ask them the following question. You're right, Bob. It may be absurd to conceptualize the notion of incest being um, allowed as a, as a marriage, um, a marriageable prospect. But are you, Bob, going to fight it? Are you going to go out on the street and say, this is, this is wrong, these two people who are brother and sister should not get married? Especially when the cultural pressure is brought to yes, bear. Yes, exactly. has been brought to bear for something that you thought was absurd just five years ago. That's right. Are you going to fight? Are you going to fight when it comes to polygamy? Are you going to say, well, those three people seem to be in love, and you know, who am I to say uh, that they shouldn't be in love, and that they should choose among the two of those three and, and, and leave it at that? No. I, live and let live, I say. But you're certainly not going to fight it. And that's how evil creeps in. That's how disorder creeps in. And that's how chaos creeps in. Exactly what God wants us to avoid. Our job, day in and day out, is like that little kid separating the Lego sets. That's what we need to be doing and focusing on it as we go about our day-to-day lives and every errand that we do. When we say, how are you to somebody? It's, it's a way of focusing on the good, of bringing out the good in people. When we apologize and when we admit that we, we're making mistakes, um, when we uh, return the money that's not our money, uh, when we act carefully with the words that we say, when we don't gossip, this is a form of separation. It, it, and it's a wonderful thing, and it's something that is necessary for the very fabric of our society and our civilization. And Pope Francis, I, I wish you the best. I, I, I know that you have it in your heart to do only the right thing, but I think you're forgetting your very mission, which is to separate good and evil. This is Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk with you next week.